Romans 15, verse 17. Paul is writing to the Romans and he says, Therefore, I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not accomplished through me in word and deed to make the Gentiles obedient in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem round about to Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And so I've made it my aim to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build on another, on another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not announced, they shall see. And those who have not heard shall understand. Wonderful to know that the Holy Spirit is given to us for exactly that purpose. That we might have power not just to preach the gospel, but to live the gospel and have that gospel reality expressed through our lives. And it is impossible without the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus says in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And that is the continuing story that has never been revoked. That is what makes sense of your life and my life. It makes sense of what God is doing in Great Britain. It makes sense of what God is doing across the water in mainland Europe and the different places where I have been in recent days. Unusual places. Places where people think nothing much is happening. Where the news and media don't reach. God is moving by His Holy Spirit and sweeping whole vast numbers of people into, into the kingdom of God. From all different backgrounds, religious faiths and backgrounds, Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, people from all different backgrounds are being swept by the river of God to the only destination that any of us will ever wish to be, and that is in Christ and in the power and splendor of His glory. The outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost was purposeful. It was according to the plan of God. When you are filled with the Spirit, it's like being immersed into the river of God, the mighty river of God that is flowing. It has a source, heaven itself. It has a destination, where it is heading. And when we are filled with the Spirit, we are caught up and swept along by the surge of this torrential river of God's love. It flows. You get caught into it. And it's this current of Holy Spirit power and presence and anointing 
and blessing that flows through your life and, and overflows out of your life and like a river breaking its banks floods the nations with the gospel. If you are truly a spirit-filled believer, controlled by the Holy Spirit, directed like the Holy Spirit, you know who you are. You know that you are a child of God. You have an identity, and that identity is related to what He's given you to do. You have a purpose. The Apostle Paul could say, I know who I am. I am what I am by the grace of God, but I know who I am. I am an apostle to the nations. And you and I have that same calling because there is only one call of God. Did you know that? There's only one call of God, and we all share exactly the same call of God, and that is that we are to know Him and make Him known. That's it. No more. Now, everything else after that is your particular individuality, your gifts, how God has used you, where He's placed you, what you have, and the role you have in that overall plan. But it's that overall plan of God that connects us to the purpose and enabling of the Holy Spirit. And when you acknowledge that, you begin to see your life differently. You don't judge by any other criteria. You don't rejoice in anything other than that which pertains to God. And this kind of godly thinking and godly outlook is only possible when we're saturated by the Holy Spirit, when we're carrying the anointing of God. And right now, the Apostle Paul is, faith, <coughs> is at a decisive turning point in his life and ministry. And this was the message I had for you for last Sunday, and I kept it, I kept it in the microwave oven ready. And it's not, just, it's not just, no, it's not like that. Actually, it's grown and grown and grown. But, you know, it was on my heart last week, and, and I'm pretty sure that the same applies today because God was showing me that there are many people in our church and fellowship are in exactly the same point, exactly the same point, asking the same questions, dealing with the same issues that the Apostle Paul was dealing with. You think, well, that's unlikely. It's not unlikely because these people in the Bible, how, how God used them and how God led them and what God said to them is for us all. Let me share it with you. Here was a decisive point in his life and ministry. The first big great phase of his life is coming to fulfillment, to completion. God had given him a job to do, and he had completed it. You know, you don't move on to the next thing until you've done the first thing. Many of us start lots of different things. I'll do this for a bit, do that for a bit, never see anything through. Well, Paul said, I'm in it till I get to the blessed end. And he got there. This was his third so-called missionary journey. I want you to have a look at the, the map behind me on the screen. This was the, coming to the end of his third missionary journey, and, and um, he reflects on it. And all this bit in red on the screen, it describes the Roman Empire. And the Apostle Paul, he says later on that he's preached the gospel fully in all these regions, right from, from Jerusalem, right the way to Illyricum, which is a Roman province there, just opposite the Adriatic Sea. He had uh, planted two great churches for sending Christianity in this part of the world, either side of the Aegean Sea, in mainland Europe, uh, 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 Macedonia and Achaia, and what is modern Turkey now, which was uh, 
Asia at that particular time, and he'd, he'd accomplished these things, and it was a wonderful moment in his life. Now, he's coming to the end of his third missionary journey, and he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's saying, I've done the job God's given me to do. Now it's time to move on. I'm going to look for fresh fields. I'm going to go beyond what God has given to me. And here we have on the screen behind me a kind of representation. It's not actually uh, totally accurate. It's just a picture that illustrates that. But in uh, this place of Illyricum, which, is, um, which is, as you saw, is kind of like Croatia now um, and um, northern Albania. And uh, it, all around that Balkan Peninsula, there were these wonderful coastal regions, beautiful oceans, beautiful beaches. Have you ever been on a holiday there or on a mission? All right, you go there, you'll see it. But then as soon as the beach stops, almost as soon as the beach stops, the mountains begin. And those Balkan mountains are, are very difficult to cross, and they've formed a kind of natural barrier. And as, as if Paul is saying, I've reached the limit of what I can do in these regions now, if I'm going to break new ground, I've got to think bigger than I've ever thought before. I've got to extend myself further than I've ever gone before. And that's exactly where many of you are right now. God is saying to you, it's time to look ahead at what God has for you right where you are. Now, some of you are telling God, I want to move on. And God is saying, no, wait, now, you've you, you got to understand something. You haven't finished haven't finished what I've given you to do. Some of you are looking for promotion. Oh, why haven't I been promoted? I want to be promoted. I want to go on to the next thing. And God says, I'm not going to send you to the next thing until you've done what I've told you to do here. There are people that need Christ right where you are. And that's why you are where you are. So Apostle Paul was able to judge the whole of his life like this. And he writes to the Roman believers. He says, I'm heading your way. I can't wait to get to Rome gospel. We're going to preach the gospel. It's the power of God. And then you're going to encourage me and I'm going to encourage you. And by God's grace, you're going to send me on my way. I'm on the way to Spain. I'm looking to the regions beyond. Now, what's interesting is that we do not know for sure whether Paul actually fulfilled that dream and vision of his. There is no record that gives us assurance one way or the other. I say most Bible historians tell us that Paul, of course, was arrested at Rome and he ended his life there. He was, he was beheaded in AD 64 under the persecution of Nero. But you know, there's enough openness about that historical record for my private little theory. I think he made it. I think he got the heaven out of there uh, and he managed to go and do some of this stuff. But either way... This is how he was thinking. And in doing this, he is elevating the call of God in his life. Everything's revolving around the gospel. His whole life is bound up by the gospel. He laid hold of it by revelation. He lived it. He worked it out in his own life. And he gave his life to proclaiming it. That's exactly the same call that you and I have. It applies to us all. If you are spirit-saturated, if you are a believer full of the Holy Spirit, then you are also caught up in the plan and purposes of God. You have the same calling, the same anointing. And let's see how this really begins to work in our lives. Now, the first thing Paul says in uh, Romans 15 verse 19, he says, 
in mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about Tilericum, that was the map I showed you earlier, I have fully preached the gospel. Ah. Now this is the first test. Fully preaching the gospel. Now, those of us who use the terminology of the full gospel, have you ever heard, have you heard that saying? We believe in the full gospel. And what we really mean by that as charismatic and Pentecostal believers is that we don't just believe in preaching the word with word. We believe that God moves when his word is preached to confirm his word with signs and wonders and miracles. That miracles and signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Spirit accompany the preaching of the gospel. And we believe that that's vitally important for today. And we know it is. We've seen it and witnessed it. In our cell groups, people are being saved and healed. In the street team, street witnessing, people are experiencing the power of God in their life by signs and wonders and miracles, as well as experiencing Him by faith as they surrender their lives to Christ. And these things are very significant and important probably heard just a week or so ago when we were leading a team of students into Brazil. There was a, a woman whom I called out by word of knowledge concerning uh, a problem that she had on, in, her, in her stomach and insides. There turned out to be a kidney problem, and uh, one of the students prayed for her. And uh, this was on the Friday night, and her testimony was that her kidney had atrophied kidney had withered. Her kidney had atrophied. I don't know the degree to which it had atrophied, but the medical profession was saying, we got to take this kidney out. We've got to remove the kidney. And that was on the Friday night. And the uh, doctors had scheduled a scan for her prior to surgery. Another scan prior to surgery. And that scan had been scheduled for the Saturday. She came on Friday night. She was in terrible pain. Got this word of knowledge, came forward. They prayed for her, and immediately the pain left her. She felt well. Said, I feel so well. Something's happened. So, happily, the scan was scheduled for the next day. So she went and had the scan, and they scanned her and found absolutely nothing wrong with her kidney at all. Oh, come on. That's the power of, come on, people of God, give him praise. Amen. So we believe in signs and wonders and miracles. And a week on Wednesday, I'll be doing a series of teaching people how to flow in the anointing of healing. I want you all there. Cell leaders, be there or whatever. I don't know what you said. Be there or be square, whatever. Be there. Uh, ministry team people, be there. Regular congregational members, we need to understand that God's will is for healing today to be ministered amongst His people and through His people. So I could spend the rest of the message talking about the glories of signs and wonders and miracles, but I see something more here. And just as because we're Pentecostals and Charismatics, we don't always only talk about signs and wonders, let's look at what the bigger picture is and what is happening. 
And Paul says this, yes, by signs and wonders and mighty miracles, I have fully preached the gospel. Fully preached the gospel. And you know, Paul says, that's why I can move on. Because I have finished what God has given to me. He'd been trying to get to Rome for many years. He had his heart set on getting the gospel to Rome. And Luke, who records in the book of Acts all that Paul was doing, finishes his story with Paul preaching the gospel in Rome. And it seems to me as if Luke was saying, do you know what? What Jesus says in Acts 1 verse 8 in my book, he says he's gonna, the gospel is going to begin in Jerusalem, then spread to all Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And for that generation, what greater record of the triumph of the gospel to see the gospel triumphing in the capital of the Roman Empire. And so that's kind of like the, an ending of a story. But it's not the end of the story because the gospel didn't just stop there in Rome and it wasn't just in Paul's day or Luke's generation. That story is continuing today and this might be your Jerusalem. It may be somebody else's ends of the earth. It seems that God has brought the ends of the earth to London sometimes where I was just a few days ago, high in the mountains in a, in a Muslim nation, which I won't name, high in the mountains, and they were saying, this is our Jerusalem. And I said, it's your Jerusalem, but it's my ends of the earth. Halfway up a mountain. <laughs> thank God for hotels, and thank God for other accommodation, and uh, sleeping on the floor. And, and uh, anyway, you know, I wasn't, couldn't really say I was suffering for the gospel, because I was enjoying every minute of it. <laughs> To me, I said, you know, this is your Jerusalem. These are my ends of the earth. So it's relative, isn't it? It's wherever God sends us. And God will stop pouring out his spirit when the job is done. And he will keep on pouring out his spirit until the job is done. And so our responsibility as spirit-thirsty people, people who want more and more of God. How many want more of God today? I mean, really. Don't just answer me like a preacher. Answer me from your heart. You are thirsty for more of God. Well, this is how to get it. Align yourself with the purposes of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will want to hang around you. Because you say, here's somebody that's going to do what God has called him to do. Now, Paul had wanted to come to Rome for many years. Have a look at verses 22 to 23. Paul says, for this reason... I've been much hindered from coming to you. And we're going to talk about why he was hindered in a moment. Verse 23 says, But now, no longer having a place in these parts and having a great desire these many years to come to you. So he said, Look, I've been trying to get to Rome for a long time, but I wasn't permitted. I was hindered from coming because I had to finish the job first. Now listen, let me make this a spiritual application. Some of you are saying, God, I'm tired of this place. I want to move on. When's that promotion coming? When's that new job coming? When's that change happening? And God says, just as soon as you've finished what I've given you to do, where you are. Hmm. There's a, at least one person. That's exactly what you've been saying to God. When's that promotion coming? If I, I don't get a promotion, I'm going to move on. God's saying to you, you don't move on till I tell you to move on because there is work that you have to do where you are. Ah, there are people in your family that need Christ. They're your friends who need Jesus. They're your work colleagues who need Jesus. And you can't judge your positioning 
by your own human reasoning. You think you're in that place because it's giving you something good to put on your CV. So you can move on and say, see, look, I've got a CV here. And God's saying, I'm not interested in your CV. I'm interested in that person next to you who's got those problems. And you have not yet told them about me. Amen? And you know, sometimes you can judge everything by this. You are there for one person only. Sometimes you are where you are because God has positioned you. Maybe, uh, we love to see hundreds come to Christ. Is that not right? But sometimes it's just that one person that God has earmarked for you to reach. And until you've reached them, you are stuck there for good. Amen. So you want to move on and start evangelizing. And uh, so Paul says, you know, yeah, I have fully preached the gospel. Fully preached the gospel. And that means lots of things. One of the things it means is that I have preached the gospel precisely to those whom you have appointed who should hear it from me. When you come to Christ, there, there are many links in the chain that have brought you to Jesus. If I think back, I won't talk about it now because it'll take some time, but I have done in the past, talked about the day I came to Christ and how I could look back and see all the links in the chain that brought me to that place. Mr. Dobson, I'll just give you one. Mr. Dobson. You don't know him. God knows him. If he's not with Jesus now, if he hasn't passed on, he'd probably be one of the oldest men on the earth. But he was, he was a teacher of mine in junior high school. I forget what he taught, actually. <laughs> not only what he taught, but forget all that he taught, except this day. When in the day of religious instruction... We used to have them in those, in those days. And uh, the religious instructor, instruction teacher didn't make it. So Mr. Dobson walked in. We thought, what's Dobbo, sorry. Uh, <laughs> what's Mr. Dobson doing here? And Mr. Dobson started drawing like a crazy man on the chalkboard. He drew trees. Not very good. He wasn't the art teacher. Flowers and mountains. And he said, people say that because we can't explain all this, we invent God. But I want to tell you that God made all these things. He thought, Mr. Dobson. And he began to, he just simply presented Christ. Now, we were making paper airplanes and making you know, I forget what you call them. I can only think of the name we used to call them in Africa. Catties. <laughs> what do you call them? A catapult. Catty, yes, catapult. Thank you very much. And uh, we're having a great time. And nobody fell on their knees and said, oh, God, save me. And I was with everybody, you know, like this. But I was lying because something was going in. I didn't come to Christ at that moment, but that was... A word of reconciliation, a link in a chain. And you may be the whole chain, or you may be just a link. But you better make sure you forge that link. Because number one, 
That is God's plan for that person to come to Christ. And number two, you're not going to move on until you get the job done. And Paul says, now I've got the job done. I've fully proclaimed Christ from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, which is a bit extraordinary if you think about it. We saw the stretch on the map, and we have no record in the New Testament or from history that Paul ever went to the Roman province of Illyricum. We don't know that. Maybe he did and it wasn't recorded, or maybe he sent some other people, but there was Seems to be many, many things he could have done if he stayed there, but he said, I've finished the work that God has given me to do. That's all we're required. We're not required to save every single person. We're not required to do all the good deeds in the Northern Hemisphere in one day. We are only required to do what God has appointed us to do. And Paul was able to say, I finished the work that God has given me to do, just as Jesus said. Think of Jesus. You'd think that really to be an authentic Messiah, you would at least speak a word of salvation on the whole nation and say, I declare as Messiah that every single person shall be saved right now. Make it happen. No, he didn't. He left a lot of people. He never ministered to everybody. He did what the Father gave him to do. And he was satisfied with that. Paul says, I've accomplished the task that God has given to me. Now I'm no longer hindered. I'm on my way to Rome. After Jerusalem, I'm going to Rome. Well, he did it by courtesy of his majesty's government back in those days because he was arrested and all the rest of it. You read the story for yourself. But Paul instinctively knew that now God would release him to move on because he had done what God had called him to do right where he was. You have not finished that work in that office. I'm not talking about the memos and the filing. I'm not talking about the projects and the presentation. I'm talking about being a witness for Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. So, what we need to understand is that the first call upon our lives is to preach the gospel fully. Have you preached the gospel fully to your friends? Now, you know, friendship evangelism is important because, you see, we love people whether they come to Christ or not. Yes? I expected a yes. yes. Of course we do. And uh, well, of course we strongly desire that our friends come to Christ and we want to witness to them and share Christ to them. But if they don't accept it, we don't say, oh, well, I, I've been your friend for three weeks now and you still haven't come to the cell meeting, so goodbye. I'm going to find a more fruitful friend. No, 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 no. We love people for people. Is that not right? Now, the issue is, when you go out on the street, how many people have been out on the street in the street evangelism? Oh, dear, dear, dear. I thought we were full of saved people today. We're full of unbelievers today. You know, Christian life believes privately, unless you go out on the street and evangelize, you're not saved. Is that right, Christian? Oh, okay, simmer down, simmer down. Christian's taking charge of that service then. No, but the point is, is this. We do this in this church. It's one of the most fruitful evangelistic things we do. But on the street, when you're witnessing, it's only ripe fruit. 
that you contact. The people who aren't interested, they ignore you, they curse you, they cross on the other side, but the people who are drawn to you are the people who are God's working in their hearts. You know, you've seen that. So when you go out, you pick ripe fruit. That's why right now, one in two conversations, serious conversations about Christ on the street leads to a commitment because God is leading you to ripe fruit. Now, you don't just make a friend because they're ripe. I'd like to be your friend, but first tell me, are you ripe? Are you ripe for the gospel? No. Yeah, yeah. Your family, oh, your family members sometimes take many years to ripe. They're very green, some of them. It takes a long process for some of them to ripe. How many have had family members you've been praying for for more than 20 years? All right, well, that's enough, isn't it? So, but when you're building friendships, you are there because you're in contact with them, you have an affinity with them, you love them for who they are, and you share Christ with them. But you have not fully preach the gospel until you call them to make a decision. Now, after a while, we get so friendly. Oh, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to Listen, if they're your friend, they'll take you as you are. You tell them, listen, I said to somebody recently, been on my prayer of three list for several years, sent to somebody, I said, you know, I'm so sad. Why are you sad? I said, I'm so sad because you mean so much to me. Yeah, well, why are you sad about that? I'm sad because you have made a decision uh, uh, about your eternal destiny without investigating the facts. I'm very sad about that. Very sad about that. What, what are you talking about? I said, you know, every time we talk and I talk to you about faith in Christ, you change the subject. We're good friends and that's great. We'll continue to be good friends. But you need to know that your eternal destiny is insecure until you've grappled with who Jesus is and what his significance for your life is. And I would be sad if you rejected it, but right now I'm sad because you haven't even considered it. And I challenged him, challenged him. We were in Marseille this week teaching in the Bible school, and Amanda was able to join me this week, and, and she said, right, I've got you to call, you've got to call somebody. So I said, call somebody? Yes, okay. They don't speak English, they only speak French. So I said, hello, here I am. So I said, bonjour. Je m'appelle Colin Dye. Je suis le pasteur de Kensington Temple. That's the only thing I think I said in a French accent. <laughs> Kensington Temple. Anyway, so as a result of this contact through somebody in this church, and Amanda went there, she went all the way to Marseille to preach the gospel to one woman, a sister of somebody in our church. Brought it together through an interpreter. C'était pas moi, it wasn't me, somebody else. And the lady gave her life to Christ. Amen. So we have to challenge people and fully preach the gospel. Have you fully preached the gospel to your friends? You'll never move on until you do. Have you fully preached the gospel to your neighbors? There are people who have known you for years and don't even know that you are a believer. Well, they can tell by the light shining out of me or something. Yes. Yes, okay. They know you glow in the dark. But do they, do they know why? You glow in the dark. What about your work colleagues? And have you even fully preached the gospel to yourself? What? I'm saved. I don't doubt it. If you put your trust in Christ to believe him for your salvation, you're saved. But you still need the gospel. Yes, you do. 
You need to preach the gospel to yourself because the gospel is about truth and revelation. And we have to live in the light of the truth that we have received. There are areas of your life that need evangelizing. There's stuff in your life that needs to be reminded about the good news in Christ. Sometimes it's your face that needs to be reminded of good news. And you're so carried, uh, carrying so many burdens, and, and, and your face looks as if you've been sucking lemons all night. <laughs> I'm not being personal, I'm just saying, <laughs> you need to preach the gospel to yourself. The gospel is the truth and revelation of God. You need to just preach the gospel to your mind. Mind, get used to this. God is good and the devil is bad. God is in control. So mind, you follow the truth of the gospel. Because a wandering mind is not good news. Not good news. You need to, you need to preach the gospel over your desires. Desires, you you fleshly desires, you, you need to hear the gospel. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave us. Preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to your emotions. Oh, soul, why are you so cast down? Don't be a silly billy. Put your trust in God. He is your hope. He is your health. He is your peace. He is your Lord. He is the one who blesses you. David preached the gospel to himself. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Soul, you bless the Lord. Soul, I'm telling you. Bless soul, I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to you, soul. Soul, you bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits. So you bless the Lord who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. You gotta preach the gospel to yourself. Find out that what little bit of that bit, that bit in you, which is rebellious, that says, I'm not gonna submit. You get to that part of you and say, now listen here. I'm preaching the gospel to you. Oh, I'll tell you what. The best preaching is the preaching you do to yourself. Hallelujah. Have your Bible open. Chapter and verse. Stand in front of the mirror. And say, now listen, Colin. I'm going to preach to you. I'm going to give you a message that you need to believe today. Stop preaching. Preaching the gospel. Have you fully preached the gospel? I think some of the people who need the gospel most of all are the believers. They're believers. The believers need the gospel. We need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. We need to be reminded of the power of the grace of God. We need to be reminded that the Holy Spirit, the greatest, most influential person in all of the universe, lives on the inside of you. Preach it. Preach it. Preach it to yourself. Amen. Paul says, I've mastered it. I've fully received the gospel. It has gripped my life. I've preached the gospel first of all to me. Do you know that before ever Paul preached to anybody else, he spent three lonely years preaching the gospel to himself. Did you know that? 
And then he, he was full of the gospel. He was passionate about the gospel. And he was able to preach it in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he fully preached it everywhere he went. He preached it according to a strategy. He did what God showed him to do. His first missionary journey was the start. Second one, he was redirected by the Holy Spirit. Third one, he finally made it to Ephesus. And now, having preached the gospel in Ephesus, and all the churches around about began to be formed because Paul has spent two years there in one spot teaching. What an amazing strategy. And he'd really, on the other side of the ocean, the other side of the Aegean Sea, there was Corinth thriving, two great sending centers either side of the Aegean Sea. He said, I've done it now. I've done what God has called me to do. This job is done. It's completed. If God has given you a job to do, finish it. Before he give you another one, finish it. Amen? Paul said, I finished it. Now I can move forward. I can move on. And I'll get there to Rome. So the first thing, he fully preached the gospel. The second thing is, he spent time celebrating success. Ah, That's very important. You know, I think here in Kensington Temple, and it's my fault, we don't celebrate success enough. You know why it's my fault? Because you see what happens. We've done that, accomplished that, great, next thing. Done that, next thing. Done that, but wait, wait, wait. How about going back here and saying, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Why don't we celebrate for all the good things that are happening? The cell ministry of the last number of years has transformed hundreds and thousands of you. People now are doing the work for Jesus. There are some lazy people, but there are others. (laughs) No, I'm just being honest, you see, just being honest. There's some people who haven't even know what's going on, but others are serving God. Some of you are serving God, serving God is years. Some of you have got more ministerial experience, even before we've even gone into the ministry, than some preachers and pastors have been in the ministry for years and years and years. Why? Because you don't just talk about it, you do it. That's something to celebrate. The hospital visitation that goes on, the prayers, the ministry, the way people reach other people, and people are laboring for Christ in, uh, in very difficult circumstances. I spoke to somebody, how long? Yes, I have my prayer of three. How many have come to Christ? None. Oh my, that's, that's not a no success. They wait here. And they tell the story of how they've persevered with people who are ungrateful, people who have got deep problems in their lives, people who want never to do anything with Jesus, but they put up with a believer because the believer cares. I tell you, that is success. That's success. So we need to celebrate success, but we also need to know how to define it. You can't celebrate it unless you can recognize it. So what does success look like? Everybody who meets you falls down and says, God is in you. God is in you. Everybody you pray for, instantly healed. No? Is that success? Popularity? Everybody loves you? You're accepted by everybody? You have no enemies, no critics, no opponents? How about finance? Is finance the measure of success? Do you know what? I'm so successful. I am making more money than I ever could expect, and I'm making more money than I ever can spend. I have everything that I desire in my life. Is that success? How about satisfaction? You know what? I have everything that I've looked for. I am satisfied. I have everything, all my dreams 
are either accomplished or in the process of being accomplished, I am such a satisfied person. Is that success? Well, Paul had none of those things. But he did say something, which I think is wisdom. When you really want to come and evaluate your life and celebrate success, focus only on this one thing. Celebrate what Christ has done through you. That's what Paul says, Romans 15, verses 17 to 18. Therefore I have reason to glory in Christ Jesus in the things which pertain to God. That's a hint right there. He says, this is how I value. I evaluate my life. It's to do with the things that pertain to God. Not earthly success. But the things that pertain to God. How much of God have you grabbed hold of on your life? How much of God has been manifested in you? That's how you test success. And the things which pertain to God, verse 18. For, listen to this, it's astonishing. For I will not dare to speak of anything which Christ has not accomplished through me. I'm only going to talk to you about what Christ has done through me. I'm not going to talk about anything else. Because nothing else matters. And you'll be five minutes with the Apostle Paul. And you'll know straight away what Christ has done. I remember spending sometimes as little as five minutes with Reinhard Bonke. Do you know of Reinhard Bonke? Christ for all nations. He was here recently. Just five minutes with him. Wow, I feel so edified. Colin, it's absolutely fantastic what God is doing in the ministry. Do you know I have 200,000 people on my Facebook? You do, Rainer? Yes, I preach the gospel every day. And he will just share what Christ has done. And we need to be careful that we don't interpret that as arrogance. You meet some people and all they can talk about is them, themselves. I've got an amazing, wonderful, mighty ministry. I was in this place, and I was in that place, and the other place, and this happened, and that happened, that happened. And you say, well, just tell me about some of your difficulties. I've got no difficulties. I'm God's glorious, victorious person. I'm not talking about ignoring the realities. But Paul said, when it comes to celebrating, and when it comes to gauging success, I only count the things that Christ has done through me. Meaning, I don't even think about the stuff that I've done. Because it's not about me. Huh? Oh, what have you achieved? Well, I've had six promotions. I've done three MBAs. And I've even got an OBE. <laughs> oh, that's what you've done. Tell me what Christ has done. Oh, no, he's done nothing through me. But I've been too busy. You see, there's a value system going on here. So that's the first thing. It's not about what you do, that you've achieved in your own efforts. We're talking Holy Spirit talk. Holy Spirit power is Holy Spirit enabling you to do what you couldn't ordinarily do. And Paul could have also had a pity party at this point. You know what? I've been waiting to come to Rome for all these years, and the devil has hindered me. 
Why haven't you prayed for me? I, I would have come, but I couldn't afford the airfare. I, I, I could have come, but all those stupid people back there, they were, they were causing me problems. Paul could have talked about his problems. He could have talked about his sufferings. He could have talked about his opponents. His sufferings. I mean, he was constantly beaten, shipwrecked, left for dead, put into prison, rejected, despised, spoken against, vilified, contradicted, opposed, enemies sought out, followed him everywhere he went to try and stop him and to undermine him. The so-called Judaizers, the legalists saying, this gospel of grace is a disgrace. Don't listen to him. You need to be circumcised, brother. Circumcised. Otherwise, you shall never be saved. They try to undermine everything. You know, if Paul, if this was the situation, Paul, Paul would be preaching here, and there'd be the Pharisees and the Judaizers and other people, you know, wanting to stone him and people outside. It wouldn't be this nice, wonderful fellowship we have in Kensington Temple because he had so many enemies. And there were people, they didn't all accept Jesus. They didn't all accept Jesus. No, they did not. No, sir, they did not. Most of them did not accept Jesus. Most of them opposed it. Most of them rejected it. But he said, I thank God for those who did. I'm focusing on those who've come to believe. I'm focusing on what God has done. And when you learn to focus on what God has done, you're really living in the realm of the Holy Spirit. You know what to celebrate. And the rest, you leave with God. You just leave it with God. I won't even talk about it. He says, I won't even dare mention that stuff because I'm celebrating what God has done in my life. And that's a word for somebody here today. Stop moaning and groaning and focusing on the negative in your life. What has not happened, what God hasn't given you, what you haven't achieved, and all the things that have gone wrong. And start counting the things that God has done for you. Just look at your life from that perspective. You're going to be encouraged. You're going to be encouraged. Paul probably had so many ideas, so many ideas. I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to go there, but I can't. So God, what do you want me to do? Leave the rest. Even Jesus lived like this. Can you imagine how hard it was for Jesus to go into the temple and pray three times a day when he was in Jerusalem, when there was that crippled man at the beautiful gate asking for money? There he was. Jesus, I don't know, I presume, would you not presume he gave him some money? Okay, there's a couple of dinar, no, what is it, what is it, a couple of shekels, a couple of shekels, a couple of shekels, oh, yeah. maybe, but he left him. Jesus, the divine son of God, the incarnate healer, God, Yahweh, Yireh, God who provides, Yahweh, Rapha, God who heals, in the flesh, walking past a crippled person, hardest thing. So the father said, no, leave him for Peter. Leave him for Peter. You can only do what God calls you to do. Get rid of all that false guilt and false responsibility. Amen? And celebrate the things that God has done in your life. Amen. Amen. So this is the only way a spiritual believer can evaluate a person's life. What Christ has accomplished through me. Just think about it. What Christ has accomplished in you. <laughs> Why don't you just take stock and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I said to a friend of mine, I said, you know, well, you may be struggling. I may be struggling. But we're both here. Yeah. Oh, come on. There are many who are not here. We're here. 
We're still here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm still here. Lift your hand and say, thank you, Jesus. I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still here. Celebrate, people. Celebrate. Celebrate what God is doing. Amen. So, he says, I fully preached the gospel. That is my mission. Secondly, I'm celebrating success. Everything that God has done through me, I'm satisfied because I fulfilled his plan. I now can move on from these regions because it's taken care of. I can take my apostolic pioneering ministry somewhere else to the regions beyond. And that's why we have this picture. There's the coastal regions round about all that area, Illyricum, which is very similar to all the Balkan, Balkan Peninsula. And just beyond the ocean, there are the mountains. And he says, you know, I've come to the mountains now. There's a natural stop. And I look back, I've done everything. So now I want to look at what lies beyond the mountains. And that's my word for you today. God wants to give you revelation of what is next. What's the next step for you? What's, the, what's beyond those mountains? Uh-huh. Only applies to you if you have finished the work that he's given you to do. Remember. But Paul said, you know what? I am not going to go any longer and preach where Christ has already been preached. He was an apostle. He was a pioneer and a visionary. And so are you. If you belong to Kensington Temple, that's who you are. Because that's who we are. That's our spiritual DNA. We are a breakthrough church. We've hardly finished one thing before we've got a new vision, somewhere to go. We don't stop. We're not complacent. We are pioneers, not settlers. We believe in making the comfortable uncomfortable. We don't like being too comfortable in Kensington Temple. Amen? We want to break new ground. And that's the pioneering spirit an anointing that you've got. It's part of your spiritual DNA. If you are under the anointing of this house. Amen. Paul said, I'm, other people can now can build on this. I've done my job here. I've done my job. I'm moving on. Because there are other people who don't know Christ. And this is the same spirit that drives us. This is the same spirit that drives us. 20 years ago, probably, certainly 15 Probably 20 years ago, I made a decision in my life. I would not just go to all those big conferences and join the Charismatic Circus International Incorporated. I was in a small church, and a man came to me and said, I'm so sorry. I said, what are you sorry? To see you here. I won't say where I was. It wasn't Britain or Europe. Last week, Benny Hinn was here. We booked a big stadium for him. And you are speaking to 25 people. I'm sorry for you. You should have called me first because I'm an organizer. I could have organized big meetings. I said, hold it right there. God sent me to these people. You know what it was? It was a conference about how the gospel can help drug addicts in this place. I'd rather be where God tells me to be. I don't look for the big crowds. So I made a decision. 
God, I'm only going to go where you tell me to go, whether it is five or 500,000. And believe me, I've, I've preached to millions. Well, that's a slight exaggeration, but while there were millions there, no, no, I'm, this is true, but they couldn't all hear me. Because the PA system only reached 600,000. The rest of them were listening on the radio as it was going out live across the nation in Brazil. So I love the crowds, but I want to be where God wants me to be. I literally crossed the mountains to go to a place that nobody's heard of, and I can't even say it publicly. So I can speak to a handful of people who would never otherwise know and it means so much to them that somebody would come. And I tell them, we haven't forgotten you. We're remembering you. There are people who haven't heard, people who will never hear. There's people sitting opposite you at work and have never heard and will never hear at this rate because you're keeping this closed. Paul says, judge your purpose and your destiny. By looking at the regions beyond the mountains where there is a natural place and you say, you know, I'm happy here. And God says, no, finish your work here because there are other people. The only time in all the Gospels when you could possibly interpret that Jesus turned sick people away. The Gospel stories, Jesus is preaching in Galilee, and it's wonderful. And early in the morning, he gets up, and they say, oh, there are people waiting for you. He says, no, I must go to the other villages and the other towns so they can hear the gospel. And the only place where you can argue that Jesus turned his back upon needy people who needed healing. I don't argue that. But it's the only place you could argue that. In fact, Jesus was very willing to heal everybody that came to him. But he had a plan and a strategy. The purposes of God. I want to say to you in two very simple, simple questions, bringing this whole message, just forget the, maybe just forget the rest of it and just finish it like this and summarize it like this. Two questions. What are you doing now for God that you have to complete? Secondly, what are you going to do next to God once you've celebrated what you have completed? And there can't be anybody, not even a Notting Hill Gate mouse that creeps into this building. If there is one, ladies, don't panic. There's not one single person being or entity in this place for which that word is not applicable. I want to encourage you, spirit-filled living, being full of the power of God, caught in the river of God, in the destiny, plan, and purpose of God, one calling for everyone, expressed uniquely through who we are and how he's made us and the gifts he's given to us. So there's... (laughs) Individuality, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I discovered the only way to be anointed, for Colin Dye to be anointed, is for the anointing to come on Colin Dye. In other words, you be yourself. 
So what you see is what you get. Not everybody's like me, nobody's like me, but nobody's like you. And you think I'm odd, you take a look in the mirror. <laughs> God's anointing on you. What you have, gifts, abilities, stuff in you you don't even know is there. God's saying, I'm waiting for you to wake up. What for? I've got stuff in you you haven't even discovered yet. Go deeper in me, go deeper in me, go deeper in me. I'll bring this stuff out. But remember, what I've given to you, I've given for you to use. In that overall call of knowing God and making Him known. On doit arrêter là. Time to stop. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just open your heart right now. At some point in this message today, I'm sure God has spoken to your heart. Something, something out of all that's been said has touched you today. That's where God is going to meet you today. There are those who are saying, oh, yes, Lord, I'm looking for a move and a change. I want promotion. I want something more. I want a change in my life. But you know, I have not fulfilled your job where I am. So God, show me. I want to do it, then I can move on. It might just be one person. It might be something that will actually arrest you for the rest of your life. And take, but you don't know, but God knows, so surrender to him. Others are saying, you know, I feel the time is coming now. I really relate to what Colin has said, because I really feel I have done everything that God has wanted me to do right here, right now. There's no more, naturally speaking, anything else for me to do. So God is saying... I'm calling you to follow me beyond the mountains. And I want to show you the new stuff, the new vision I have for your life, the new direction, the new plan, the new purpose, because well done, you have completed the work 